For those who are visitors, we uh, have been for the last year and a half following the lectionary. Um, it was something new to me. I was um, uh, looking after another congregation nearby in their vacancy, and they did it, and I didn't, <laughs> um, um, uh, because I wasn't used to it. And in that time, I just thought, let's try this. And um, I have been finding it helpful as I prepare. I hope the congregation um, have been following some of it too. But um, the lectionary... Um, designed by um, many Protestant Reformed churches, mainly in North America, also goes by church seasons. So, and we're getting used to that, aren't we, in Presbyterianism? Um, it was a wee while there where we didn't really talk about Lent, but now we do talk about Lent, and we do a six-week series during Lent. And, and then we started to talk about Advent as more than Christmas, and we light a few candles and uh, take ourselves and prepare for that. Epiphany is uh, where we're in at the minute, and it's uh, new to me as well because I didn't follow all this, uh, being a good Balamina Presbyterian in the past. Um, but it's that kind of seasonal period that Protestants would see lasting probably the entire length of Advent through to Lent and be an epiphany and the manifestation of Jesus to the Gentiles and um, the Jews' lights to the nation you've found in the last few weeks. There's a lot of light about. There's a lot of glow sticks going on in these passages. And of course, in Fitzroy, we long to be particles of light across the city tomorrow, wherever we are. But we also like to be beams of light where we focus in certain places, um, whether that's Uganda or the Four Corners Festival or uh, Mornington or Botanic Primary or wherever. We have particles of light as individuals as we go. We're beams of light as we serve in a more intentional, missional kind of way from Fitzroy. Today's readings are from Isaiah 58 and Matthew, which Paul did really well. And so I'm going to concentrate a little bit more on the Isaiah 58 passage. And I'll be honest with you, uh, these notes were down, these notes were there, and I went to bed very unhappy, and I got up this morning and went to the radio very unhappy, and I came back from the radio very unhappy, and I sat down, and there it was. And as I keep saying, the question... Um, Belfast Telegraph used to do this series of questions to ministers and one of them is what would you ask God if you had one question and my question would be why was it five minutes to ten on Sunday before you broke that uh, dam and let the waters rush through into this sermon and the word I got which will come I hope I hope will come uh, clearer as it goes on is something I've shared with you before but I think it's long enough ago that many of you didn't hear it for the first time and um, probably last week's long enough ago to think that you wouldn't remember it anyway. The word is uh, a South African word. And when we were going to South Africa as students, um, 2000, 2002, 2004, 2006, 2008, um, with Queen's University, um, we were always investigating how did reconciliation come uh, to South Africa, looking back at where it was in its journey at that stage in Northern Ireland. And there was one year, I think it was 2004 maybe, that in three or four different places within 24 hours, we heard this word that at that time I hadn't heard, but you've probably heard it's been used maybe more since. And um, it was the word Ubuntu. And people would say, I remember in a church, I remember with um, uh, in, um, Alex Berean, who set up the Truth Commission in his office, I remember hearing the word. I, I remember hearing it with uh, others that we were asking, how did the process come about? And everybody would say Ubuntu, and we would say, what does that mean? And people would wrestle with what it meant. They would say, well, it means I can't be me without you. 
or it means I need you to be me. And there was all, and we were jotting down all these phrases that it, that it might possibly be. And um, I think the best description of it is that all because of you, I am. That we can't, that I cannot be me without you, Ubuntu. Now I am from Balamina, as I told you. And some of the bad habits you get there that you don't look at the lectionary, because that's Catholic. But there are some good habits. And one of them is, what does the Bible say about Ubuntu? Well, it doesn't mention Ubuntu, because it wasn't Hebrew or Aramaic or Greek. But I had to go back and think, Ubuntu, it's a great idea. It worked in South Africa, but is there anything that I could find that would suggest that there's something in the scriptures that all because of others that I am me because of others? And it didn't really take long before I found it. Because it's right there at the heart of Jewish morning and evening prayer. And in the scriptures where Jesus adds a little to it. The Shema. Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind. I can't be me without God. That's what it said. In order for me to find my 1010, life in all its fullness, then I need God to create that identity of 1010. Jesus then, of course, when asked by the lawyer about the law, said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And to the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. So let's unpack that a little bit. Everything in the scriptures can be lived out with just these three verses from Matthew chapter 22. The fullness, 10-10 of God's mission, the arc of history, of the, the history of redemption is right here. It can be lived out Jesus says, all the law and the prophets, they hang in these two commandments to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, your neighbor as yourself. I cannot be me without you, without God. I cannot be me as an island on my own. I have to be connected to others. Would that change the world? So let's take that Ubuntu idea very quickly and move us into Isaiah chapter 58 for a moment. Let's get the context. Isaiah 58 was written during a time of deep uncertainty in Israel. Babylonian exile has deported a number of important leaders and now they're returning to the land. They're trying to stabilize the institutions again and it's very unstable. We can kind of relate to that, can we not? But perhaps there's a glimmer of hope about the return. Maybe something might shine into their darkness, as we've been thinking about in Isaiah up to here. But what will the future hold? Then we come to, that's the the context, then we come to the text of Isaiah 58, and we find it's very similar to Micah last week, if you were here. We find that it can divide up. First we hear a command from God to the uh, post-exilic prophet to issue a a real announcement of the people's rebellion. They've rebelled. The people have rebelled. And then we hear the response because the people go, no, we've been fasting. 
We've been fasting and we fasted and we fasted and we fasted and actually you're the one that's not hearing us. And then we find in what Michael read to us earlier how God tells them why that's not the kind of fasting that he's looking for. It's a different kind of fasting that he's looking for. Instead of the traditional fast where we just give up food for a day, God's looking for the fasting of a whole new way of life. Commentator, and I used the commentator in our prayers of intercession, our confessional prayers. Fasting is a new set of relationships within our ongoing life. The fasting acceptable to God is a daily fast from domination, blaming others, evil speech, self-satisfaction, entitlement, and blindness to one's privilege. God's saying that the people individually and corporately cannot have a full relationship with God without a just relationship with each other. It's Ubuntu. The people individually and corporately can't have a full relationship with God without a just relationship with each other. If one's own piety of fasting is disconnected from the rest of everyday life, not only your everyday life, but the life of your society, then God's not hearing. That's what he's saying in Isaiah chapter 58. And what we find then is that we're into this partnership with God. Because you're kind of, there's a sort of a conditional thing here and a man who concentrates on the unconditional grace of God finds some tensions within that. But Isaiah's if-then language serves to include the people as actual moral agents in their relationship with God. Now let me explain that to you with a Northern Ireland kind of understanding. All the way through the troubles, I heard it preached, I preached it myself. Second Chronicles 7 verse 14. If my people call by my name will humble, them, humble themselves and pray. If they will seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, I will hear from heaven and will heal their land. My goodness, we spread it right across. If we pray, 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 there will be healing. And we miss the rest of it. If my people call by my name, will pray? No. Humble themselves and pray. Full stop? No. If they will seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, I will hear from heaven and will heal their land. And there's something in this that's a partnership between God and humanity that we become moral agents of the change. So here's what my deal is. And I think I mentioned it last week and if I did, and maybe I'll try to explain it slightly better. Was there ever a place on earth that was more prayer than during the Troubles? And yet sectarianism didn't change at all. And there's the thing. The people in Isaiah 58 were fasting and fasting and fasting and it wasn't changing them. It wasn't changing them in their relationship with others. It wasn't bringing Ubuntu. It wasn't bringing love your neighbor. It wasn't bringing the relationship that they needed to find fullness of life the way God planned it. And maybe there's a lot of time when we're praying, but we're just praying. And it's not changing us because we're trying to over, we're trying to jump over what needs to happen in the prayer. And what needs to happen in the prayer is that I get a hit through my own prayer. 
Oh Lord, heal the land, but don't make me change my sectarianism. Oh Lord, heal the land, but don't get me involved in speaking to Catholics. Oh Lord, heal my land, but don't. Isaiah 58 saying, you can pray all you like, but I'm not hearing. I need you to be involved in partnership with me. So if you want that prayer to work, let's start with you. And let's deal with me and the sectarianism within me. Because we are in partnership with God to bring about the change it's Ubuntu. Now I've heard it, and I don't disagree with it, on a theological point that God doesn't need us to do what God wants. That might be right in a theological point, but it's actually not how the scriptures work. Most of the time, God uses the people of God to bring about what he wants to do within his world. The horizontal has got to be connected at the vertical all the time. No point in going out there and doing the vertical without a prayer for life. No point in praying if we're not being involved in the vertical. This has got to be connected. And maybe over the history of the church, maybe one of our problems is that we get everything out of balance. We go for piety for a while and miss the social. And then we realize, oh, we missed the social. So we go for social for a while and we miss the piety. So we think we should just preach at people and then that doesn't work. So we go, well, let's stop preaching at people and just be social agents. And we, maybe what we need to get is the balance of the scriptures on this Isaiah 58 passage. Where the vertical relationship we have with God connects with the horizontal relationship we have with others. And right there in the center of that is life in all its fullness. Is the law and the prophets obeyed? Is the fasting that God longed for in Isaiah chapter 58? Is the possibility of peace in our country? So as we come to pray for elections, as we come to pray for what's next, then it's important to see ourselves as these moral agents where we seek God in prayer, but we're always there to be those that God would use in their prayer. To get on our knees, but to get back off our knees at the end of the prayer to go to follow Jesus, end of the answer. Ubuntu. Ubuntu. Without you, I cannot be me. Without West Belfast, Belfast can't be Belfast. Without East Belfast, West Belfast can't be Belfast. Without South and North, you see what I'm saying? I'm getting a last ad in before we come to communion. The four corners have to be horizontally connected with each other and the vertical connection with God if we are going to have the shalom. Or as we went into at the end of the passage in Isaiah 58, we will be those who will restore the walls. We will be those who will rebuild. Like Jerusalem in its uncertainty. Like Belfast in its uncertainty. God was saying, don't just go to church for an hour and a half on Sunday. Don't just pray for half an hour every day. Make your lives the salt and light of Matthew chapter 5. And then, then you'll find that I'm your rear guard. And then you'll find that I'm in front of you. 
And then you'll find the light shining in the dark when we partner. Because it's about Ubuntu. Let's pray. Lord, as we gather around this table in a moment or two, we pray that you would help us to connect with this time and space moment when grace interrupted, when light shone in darkness, when veils were rent in two, when the earth literally shuddered with new possibility. And help us as we gather around it to find that nourishment and cleansing that we long for. But help us to find more. As we find your welcome, as we find your gracious love, as we find the salvation that is ours in Jesus, may we see ourselves coming from that table as partners with the one who died and was raised to life. Partners who go to be Jesus in our living room, in our kitchen, on our street, in a voting booth, in Mornington, in Botanic, in our place of work, in our place of leisure. Lord, help us not to do pious acts and then leave it to you. Help us to see that you long for us to humble ourselves, seek your face, Turn from our wicked ways as we pray. So Lord, come around this table with us by your spirit. Confirm the forgiveness of those sins we've confessed. Energize us to be salt of the earth and light of the world. In Jesus' name, amen.